Well, good morning. It's good to be with you today. I'm looking forward to sharing what God has laid on my heart. We're going to talk throughout the month of December um, about the idea of God being with us. And I wanted to share with you something from my own uh, family. Some of you may have heard me share this before, but in the Taylor family, we had a matriarch. We had someone who you could say in a lot of ways really was the one that kept everything together, and her name was Irene. Irene was my grandmother, and she was someone that as a young lady, a young wife, a young mother, found herself working in the shipyards as a welder. And I've often tried to picture that, and it's hard for me to do. But as she was welding, and you imagine that big heavy welding mask on and the big heavy gloves and holding the welder, as she was welding, there was a piece of paper that blew into the corner where she was welding. And it got in the way, and as you can imagine, she did everything that she could to get that piece of paper out of her way, and, and it just kept blowing back in again and again and again, and it kept getting in front of her. And finally, she had to stop what she was doing. I imagine her taking that big welding mask off, and I imagine her picking up that paper for one final time to crumple it up and to discard it and make sure that it could not blow back into the corner where she was working one more time, and she looked at that piece of paper. And that piece of paper was an invitation to a church service. And she decided that day that she was going to go to that particular church service. And it was at that church service that she accepted Jesus Christ as her personal Savior. And she became the spiritual foundation of our family. It was through her life that those in her family that have come to know Christ have done so through her testimony, through her witness. She's had such a profound impact on our lives. And many of you have someone in your life, someone in your family. Maybe it was a grandmother like mine. Maybe it was a mom. Maybe it was an aunt. Maybe it was a, a, a dad or a grandfather, but someone in your life. And you realize that you wouldn't be where you are without that person in your life. Well, we're going to talk about someone that has come into our lives. We're talking about God with us, and we're talking today about the virgin birth of Jesus. And in this journey to the virgin birth, we've got a, a few stops that we need to make. And the first stop that I want us to make is the stop of the prophetic declaration. Now, I know a lot of you understand this. Um, some of you that are younger may not understand this, but there is no such thing as for sure when it comes to family planning. <laughs> I got a few witnesses this morning. <laughs> There is no such thing as a for sure when it comes to family planning. It simply cannot be done. You might say, we're going to have, we're going to have a boy. <laughs> I, we're going to have a boy. And you can say that. 
the 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 the, the person who's reading the um, you know the, the 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 results of the the test that you have they they you know they've got the 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 jelly and they're they're able yep oh yeah you're having a boy and it still may not be a boy you know you say well I just want I want a baby that has my eye color. You know, I hear that one a lot, you know. In fact, probably because that one has gone on in my family for the last 35 years, you know, that, that you know, somebody would just like to have a baby in this family with blue eyes, okay? And it just has not happened yet, you know, in 35 years. There hasn't been anybody born with blue eyes. But no matter how much we want something, no matter how hard we may try to make something happen, there is no guarantee, there's no for sure. And I'm glad of that. I am, in fact, I'm thrilled that there's no such thing as a for sure. Because if there was such a thing as a for sure, I wouldn't be married to Veronica. Because she wouldn't be here. Because her parents were not planning on having another child. And she's a, literally a miracle from God as an identical twin. God took what was one and separated it into two. And she was the second one born. So she was literally the last one and was a miracle from God. And I pray God's blessing on your mom, Marlene, who has passed, who is with Jesus now. But I am so glad that there's no such thing as a for sure. And I want to talk to you this morning a little bit. And I want to share something with you because God is able to do this act that we can't imagine and in the book of Isaiah, we read prophetic declarations about Jesus that were made 700 years before he ever came on the scene. And in fact, Isaiah made over 25 prophetic declarations about the Messiah, who he would be, what he would be like, his family line who his predecessor would be, the, the, the ministry that he would be located, where he would do ministry, the things that he would do and that would be done to him, that he would be spit on, that he would be struck, that he would be disfigured, he would be rejected, he would heal the blind, he would raise the dead. Isaiah continued these incredible prophecies. He even talked about the things, uh, details about his burial. These things were so specific. And they were 700 years before Jesus came on the scene. And we see their fulfillment throughout the Gospels. Extremely specific. And one of the most specific things that he ever said about the Messiah was found in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Even those words were prophetic because the Jews seek a sign, the scripture says. He said, the virgin will, be, will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. The sign refers to the fact that the Jews needed a sign. They were looking for signs when it came to the Messiah. You know, I, I think most of us have always read the scripture and we think of Mary's situation as really unusual, right? That there's going to be a virgin who will be with child. 
And I always thought that it was until I came across a study that was reported by the British Medical Journal that studied 7,900 women over a 14-year period, and they checked in on them numerous times during that time. And of these 7,900 women, 45 of them gave birth claiming to be, guess what? Virgins. I thought Mary's case was unusual, but evidently not. Because over one half of 1% of these 7,900 women claimed that they were virgins when they gave birth. Now, Mary's friends and Mary's family, I believe, thought exactly what you think when you think of those 45 women. Exactly the same thing. Well, that's one possibility. But how about this? Did your mom and dad ever really teach you about the birds and the bees? Maybe you just maybe you just don't know what causes it. Or maybe you're trying to cover something up. Maybe you've been unfaithful and you just don't want to admit it. You're literally covering up. You're literally lying. Mary, her friends I'm sure thought, you know what? She's she's lying. She, is, she has been having, stepping out on Joseph, having an affair maybe with a, a Roman soldier. And they absolutely doubted her. And I want you to know this. Mary herself did not believe she could be pregnant. Look at what the text says in Luke chapter 1, verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? But there's one significant difference between Mary and these 45 women in the survey of 7,900 women. There's one big difference, and we find it in Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, where it says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew links the prophecy of Isaiah with the birth of Jesus. We see that Ignatius of Antioch in the first century, 110 AD, he confirms this. Isaiah declared it, and historically the church has, has, has confirmed from the first century forward that Jesus was born of a virgin. So it's a little bit different when it comes to Mary and these other ladies because it was, it was prophetically declared and it was confirmed by the church. And over the last 2,000 years, the church has held to the truth of the virgin birth. God foretold that this would happen through the prophet Isaiah. The second stop that we need to take is the angelic revelation. So we've had a prophetic declaration. Now we move to the, the angelic uh, revelation that happened. And people want to believe the miraculous. I know they do. We were at uh, Snowberry Friday night. And I, I had a sweatshirt on. And my sweatshirt happened to say Green Bay on it. There were Lions fans, 80-year-old Lions fans, talking smack to me, okay? Talking smack to me. They believe in the miraculous, okay? <laughs> they have not given up. 
They be- people want to believe in miracles. Okay? They do. In 2017, in Mexico, at the Virgin of Guadalupe Basilica, there is a statue of the Virgin Mary. And those that observed it saw what they believed, tears coming from her eyes in the statue. Millions, millions travel to see that statue on an annual basis. To see possibly the miracle of tears coming from that statue. Imagine telling your neighbor that you have an angel that has appeared to you. I didn't say somebody from your church. I said somebody from your neighborhood. Go up to a neighbor. Hey, by the way, an angel appeared to me last night. They're going to think what? They're going to think you're crazy, right? That's exactly what they're going to think. But as we look at the scripture, there was not one angelic appearance. There was not two angelic appearances. There were three angelic appearances that took place relating to the birth of Jesus Christ. The first one, God sends an angel whose name is Gabriel to Mary. And the the name Gabriel, I think it's interesting. It means strong one. In fact, the, the commentaries say that it means hero of God. The news that Gabriel was going to give her was so special, was so incredible, that it needed to be delivered supernaturally so that it would be believed. So who is this angel? What do we know about him? In Luke chapter 1, he had appeared just a few months before to the parents of who would be John the Baptist. And here's how he introduced himself. He said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. What's really interesting is he said, I stand in the presence of God. Everything that we read about the presence of God, people are falling prostrate. So it speaks of the honor that's on this angel, Gabriel. He has been given a special Message, uh, a special mission to speak to people about the Messiah and the arrival of the Messiah. And he says to Mary in Luke one thirty one, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. You ever think about the fact that Mary needed to be convinced of this news? She needed to be convinced that she wasn't crazy herself. And we, we don't read that Mary went out and told anybody anything. We read that she stored these things up in her own heart. She needed to be convinced. Do you ever think about the fact that, that Joseph needed to be convinced as well? In Luke chapter 1, verse 34, I read it to you earlier. Mary said to the angel, how is this even possible? How can this be? Because I'm a virgin. I cannot... I cannot give birth. I've never been with a man. Joseph needed convincing. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 20 and 21. It says, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. These angelic revelations turned the course of history. We even read further in Luke chapter 2, verses 9 to 12, that the angel appeared to the shepherds and said to them, As we read in Luke chapter 2, verses 9 to 12, the angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. After seeing Mary and Joseph and this child lying in a manger, as they had been told, the angels went and they began to spread this news. Verse 20 of Luke chapter 2, it says, The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, just as, just, uh, which just were just as they had been told. Imagine this news coming to Mary without the angelic re- uh, revelation. Imagine her having to try to convince herself that the baby that grew inside her was of the Holy Spirit. Imagine Joseph and him trying to figure out what he needed to do. Imagine the word not being spread by the shepherds. This all happened through the angelic revelation that took place. And then we have stop number three. This is really probably the most difficult of all, and that's the human or the humanistic implementation. That simply means the things people had to do in this situation. You see this incredible prophetic declaration and the angelic revelation had to be followed by people doing things. People had to live it out. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now we're seeing there's physical evidence of a pregnancy. And yet, Scripture says that they had not come together. They had not consummated this relationship because the final act of marriage had not happened. They were betrothed. They were legally bound, but it wasn't done yet. In our culture, we would call that engaged. And in their culture, that did not mean the the relationship would be consummated as of yet. The angel had appeared, obviously, to Mary, but... But Joseph did not know what was going on, and Mary had not told him. And initially, Joseph did not believe her because Joseph began to see the evidence. Joseph began to see, and he knew one thing. We have not consummated this marriage. I'm not the father of that child that I can now tell is growing in you. And let's face it, guys, we're slow. We're, we don't pick, on this, pick up on this stuff fast. But Joseph, it got to the point where Joseph could tell something's going on here. Something's not right. And now Joseph has to make a decision. 
Look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. You know what Joseph wanted to do? Joseph wanted to be able to keep his integrity, and he wanted to be compassionate to Mary. He wanted to do both of those things. In order to maintain his integrity, he had to divorce her. In order to be compassionate on her, he had to do it quietly so that no one would know because the law would judge Mary and she could be punished with capital punishment as a result of what was perceived as her sin. Jesus' birth needed to be explained. That's why the angels came. That's why the prophets declared what they declared. Because this conception was not of the normal order of things. God is able to do miracles. I imagine the questions that probably surrounded people. Don't this this is not the right order. This is not the way things are supposed to be done. I told you about that spiritually powerful person in our family, in, in my life, in our families. I'm sure that's exactly what her family and her friends thought when they found out that she was pregnant and unmarried. Imagine my shock. I said guys are slow, didn't I? I said that earlier. When I was in college, when I finally put it together, that my grandmother was 16 years old and my grandfather was 24 and she was pregnant and they weren't married. Imagine my shock, this, this spiritual rock in my family. And we take something like that and we think of what Mary and Joseph went through and how they dealt with that. Imagine what people thought. Joseph trying to wrap his mind around that, especially because he knew that he was a righteous man and he had not broken the law. Their marriage had not been consummated yet. He had not known her physically. They hadn't had sexual relationship and she's pregnant and his mind is swirling. His mind is, is going crazy and he's trying to figure this thing out. Thankfully, the angel appeared to him. Matthew chapter 1, verses 24 and 25 tells us how he responded to that appearance. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and she gave him the name Jesus. What incredible faith! What incredible trust! they had this was god god's plan but it was their lives think about that it was god's plan but it was their lives they were the ones that were going through the shame and the public humiliation because the moment joseph married her he was in essence admitting that the child was his he was admitting publicly that he really was not the righteous man he had projected himself to be. They were admitting with shame. 
Imagine God putting his son in the care of this young couple. And all of hell and earth are trying to kill it. I want to close from John chapter 1. I'm going to have the worship team come and join me. And they're going to lead us in that song, Oh, come let us adore him again. Imagine the forces of hell, what they're trying to do. Jesus says this in John chapter 1. He said, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. This morning, those that are going to serve communion, they're just going to begin to move through the seats and pass out communion elements this morning. And You don't have to be a member of Silver Creek in order to take communion with us. This is between you and the Lord. You'll notice that there's two cups. The bottom cup has the bread. The top cup has the juice. You might say to yourself, why does it matter? Why does it matter what I think about the virgin birth of Jesus? Well, because if God can clothe his son in flesh and bring him into the world, God has the power to come into your world and to bring transformation. Let me tell you, Joseph and Mary's life, this this detail, their life was a mess because of it. They hadn't done anything wrong, but it was a mess. And if God can bring a child into their life, a child that is fully human and fully God, God, to, to bring that child into the world to bring forgiveness, to bring eternal life, to bring salvation to mankind. God can come into your life. He can come into my life in the, and sometimes the mess that we have and bring healing. And he can come in the same power. He can come in the same glory that the angel came to those shepherds and it says the glory of God shone around them. God can show up with that same kind of power in our lives. So here's what I want us to do as we close this morning. I'm just going to invite you to stand to your feet. And I want you to just for a second, I want you to take a look at what's in your hands. We, we would say that as we take the Lord's Supper, we refer to the bread as what? The body. We refer to the cup as what? The blood. What, are that, what does that really equal? What are we, what, what's the symbol It's Jesus. God brought Jesus in human flesh into the world. This morning, maybe there's a mess in your life. And we're going to partake of communion in just a second, but maybe there's a mess in your life. And you're like, God, the same way that you brought Jesus flesh and blood into this world. I need you to come in reality. Come the same way into my life and bring power. Come in with your glory and and transform some area of my life 
that I, it just seems like it's an absolute mess. God, I need you to come into my life. In just a moment, we're going we're gonna to celebrate the Lord's Supper. But before we do, I'm just going to invite the team to just lead us in that song, Oh, come, let us adore him. And let's just take a moment. If that's you, if you have, you say, God, I need you to come into my life in power and glory and come into the mess that it is and, and just transform it with your plan and your power. And that's your prayer today. As they sing, I want you to just come. And we'll, we're going to celebrate communion here in just a second. But while they sing, if that's you, I want you to step out. Believing that God can do what he has done before to bring his power and his glory into our lives. The Bible says that when Jesus, the night that he was betrayed, he took the, the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. As often as you eat this, he said, and drink this, you show forth the Lord's death until he comes. Father, we want to say thank you that Jesus, through your power, showed up in the flesh. And Father, we say thank you for the body of Jesus, which is given to us. Let's partake of the bread together. The Bible says that after supper, he took the cup and he gave thanks. And he said, this is my blood. It's a new covenant, which is for you. Father, we thank you that you sent your son, not just to show up here, but with a plan to bring salvation to all mankind. We thank you for the blood of Jesus, which was shed for us. Would you partake of the cup together? Father, as we stand here in this moment, I'm just going to invite some people that might have the desire to pray with those that have come forward. I'm just going to invite you to move very quickly. And just as we close in prayer, just lay a hand on the shoulder of someone that's come this morning. Would you do that? Make sure that everybody has someone praying for them. Father, we just want to invite you into this place. Father, we want to invite you into our lives. We want to see your power and your glory. Lord, the same way that it was as you sent your son Jesus into the world in human flesh. Father, we ask you to come into and invade our situation. God, it may be a mess that we're involved in, but we realize that you can come in your power. You can come in your glory. And God, we ask... We ask, Lord, that you would invade our circumstance, our mess, our situation, God, with your power. And Lord, I pray that by your power, that by your spirit, God, that you will bring about transformation in us, that you will bring about the miraculous. All people around us may be whispering, 
People around us may not believe, be believing, but God, we're going to put our trust in you today. We're going to trust and believe that you are going to have your way and move by your power in our lives. Father, we thank you and we praise you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Aren't you glad that God is still transforming our lives today? Amen. Well, God bless you. It's been great to worship with you today. Have a wonderful day. I hope you hang around and fellowship with us. Get some coffee and something to to eat this morning. God bless you. Have a great day.